This is Dan Gore. Welcome to the Icons Podcast. For more than 30 years, I've been involved in the art of female impersonations and celebrity impersonations. I've worked with some of the most amazing performers in our history. I've traveled around the world, producing and directing shows for corporate events, casting for TV and movies. But most impressive of all is getting to know some of the most amazing people ever to grace our industry. Best known to many as the art of drag. I've worked with and become friends with some of history's finest that have paved the way for many of today's current and upcoming performers. This is our chance to learn more about our drag history. This is Icons, Incredible Creations on Stage podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Dan Gore, and welcome to Incredible Creations on Stage, better known as Icons. I am so excited for our upcoming guests. As many of you may know, I've been involved in the world of impersonations for over 30 years. And in the beginning, as a performer, it was always a hustle, getting gigs and staying alive. This is way before the internet. And I had the opportunity to cross paths with many entertainers, many of them that are still working today. And one of the reasons they are still working today is because uh, of their talent. I'm so honored to welcome this individual all the way from Florida. Please welcome entertainer, Mr. Randy Roberts. Hi, Randy. Hi, Dan. Hi, Dan. How are you? I'm good. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm glad. I'm glad to finally uh, get a chance to get you interviewed. Really big fan of yours. I have you. followed you for many, many years. So this, uh, we we go back, Biloxi, was it during that time or? Believe it or not, I didn't really, I met you through you know, Jazz Munn, an entertain, entertainer right. named Jazz Munn. Oh, well, then I, you're and, going, then that's even back before Biloxi, that's Madrid. Yes, it, it was It was Madrid. And uh, I had the possible opportunity to go on that tour and I didn't, but you were one of the people that were involved in that show. And that's how right. I, I heard about you and Jazz Munn, who was a dear friend of mine at the time, talked very highly of you. And uh, oh. so I followed you from that point forward. And, uh, so that's that's uh, almost never mind <laughs> many years. <laughs> yeah, and it's only and I always chalk it up to talent. That's why you're still around and you're still doing this art form because of the talent. You know, talent never uh, fails. People, you know, it always brings longevity out. One so. hopes. <laughs> of course, we have no idea what's going to come next. Right. <laughs> That's why I thought it was a great opportunity now with my spare time to talk to the people that I've admired. And I find it very interesting, you know, that we have, we've crossed paths many times, but we've never really known each other, you know? No. And it's funny how all these strangers that we all are involved in this type of art form, yet many of us are not really close, you know? And I've been a huge admirer of this art form, and I often ask myself, why? <laughs> but uh, I'm just fascinated from I think from a from a past life or something. But uh, I think a lot of it has to do with it's it's the impersonation part of it get lets you see the the performers that you might be a fan of on steroids. <laughs> you know because you're there it's magnifying certain aspects of each of the performers. And then again you've also got costumes, makeup, wigs. I think that's part of it. I think so. And, and the excitement and the, and the illusion and uh, the fact that, you know, you guys are men and that you change, you know, change into women, you know, and do it very well is, is impressive. It's always been impressive to me, even from the very beginning. And speaking of the beginning, that's what I wanted to find out. I wanted to find out more about you and your upbringing. And uh, where did you originally hail from? Are you native Flor Flor Floridian? No, I'm okay. from Norfolk, Virginia. And did you have a big family growing up or what, what uh, was that like in Virginia? Must two have been. sisters. I'm the baby. Two older sisters. Uh, my father died when I was 11. So uh, my older sister had just left for college when he died. And then my the next sister left a year and a half, two years after she did. And then it was just mom and I. And then my mother remarried when I was 
about to turn 15 to her husband with whom she's still married. And they've been married longer than my mother and father were married. And at 18, in the middle of my high school year, I decided to move out of the house, staying in high school. But I wanted to, I was under the premise that I was going to be able to be financially independent to go to school. I just wasn't happy in the house. Uh, my mom and I are great. My stepfather was not meant to have children. He should not have been taking care of anybody. And he really wasn't, but that was fine. We're, everything's good now, but back then it wasn't. And so I found an apartment in Norfolk, Virginia and moved out of the house in the middle of my senior year of high school. And during that year, discovered the gay bars with a fake ID <laughs> and saw my first drag queen. And then little by little. Wow. Let's talk about that. So in, in, when you were going through school and growing up, did you have, wh what were you admiring to be that, you know, did you have an inspiration at the time or like career goals at the time? No, because it, it, we're, we're going back a few years and I guess I knew I was gay. I mean, I never came out. I dated girls and never went very far with them, but I didn't have any queer goals because I didn't have anybody to look up to. I didn't have anybody to mentor me. I, I kind of found my own path. Even in drag, I didn't have a drag mother. Um, the first time I did drag was horrendous. And luckily I had friends that came up to me afterwards and said, or knew that performers that went, um, honey, if you're going to do this again, come with me. And they, they helped me a little bit, but not really taking me under their wing. I was kind of on my own. I had a lot of people help me, but not, not one drag mother. And so, so you move out, you get your own apartment and you discover the gay bars. Are you still in high school with the fake oh, idea yeah. of the gay bars? Okay, I, went so to, I went to the high school, I went out to a gay bar in my, during my senior year of high school. And then I graduated and I was going to go to, I, I enrolled in college and never went. I went to beauty school instead and didn't finish that because I didn't like getting the dye under my nails. So they were starting a harbor cruise ship, the new spirit, which used to be the spirit of Norfolk. And I got hired as a singing waiter and happened to go in the office one day and their reservations manager quit. And I was looking at a reservation information. I said, well, wouldn't it make more sense if you did this and this? And they went, would you like the job? And so I walked in and became the reservations manager for a harbor cruise ship. And after a few months, I realized all the way for making the money and I was doing all the work and I left the reservations manager and became a singing waiter during that time went to the gay bar and entered a drag contest and little by little I kept doing drag how did you learn about drag I mean just from the gay bars or did you yes uh, Okay. Gay bars. And I had seen Jim Bailey on the Jerry Lewis telethon. I remember very clearly. My mother was coming back from a trip to Canada, and my sister was home, and we were watching the Jerry Lewis telethon, and Jerry Lewis said, now, ladies and gentlemen, Miss Judy Garland. And Judy Garland came out and did get happy with all the dancers, and I found it to be very odd because Judy Garland had been dead 10 years. So that was my first glimpse of, oh, that's a man singing and doing drag. I mean, I was always fascinated by it. I had heard of drag, I guess. But that's when it went bing, 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 bing. And then you walk into a gay bar and you see a drag queen, I guess, in person for the first time. Is yes. that someone that you still remember? Um, I, I don't remember the first one I saw, but I do. I'm still very good friends with the first ones I met. And so at this bar, is that the same bar where you saw the drag queen? Is that where you end up performing too? Uh, yeah. Well, the first time I saw a drag queen was at the After Hours Bar. Well, wow, there's stories there called The Late Show. And then I, I entered the contest at a place called the College Q Club. Sadly, it's no longer there. And I did not do well. I did not look pretty. Somewhere there's a photo of me. I should have burned it by now. Went back and entered another one in one because people helped me a little bit. And then little by little, I, I learned the tricks of the trade. I still work for the Harbor Cruise Ship and left Norfolk and opened one in Boston for the company. This is a four-year period I'd done pageants. I was Miss Continental Virginia, and I was Miss World Virginia, and first runner-up to Miss World. 
I moved to Boston. I grew up in Boston. I wasn't doing drag after these four years of doing bar drag. Nothing against that. Lip syncing. Not even doing. Not as, I sang live the very first competition I was in. Um, didn't know the right key and had somebody play the piano. And oh God, the look was. I had on a black man's dance skin leotard with a white bra underneath it, and a black wraparound skirt and glittery stockings and high heels and this wig that looked like Roseanne Rosanna Dana which, from Gilda Radner on. Yeah, um, and a big feather boa, and I sang Stormy Weather in my own voice in Judy Garland's key. So it was like, don't, don't know why there's no sun up in the... Wasn't pretty, wasn't pretty. So I went through all of that. Yes, go ahead. I, I, I'm, I'm watching and listening, go ahead. Okay, so went up to Boston, took care of the ship there, and when the winter was coming, they said, we're going to take the boat down to Hallandale, Florida, Fort Lauderdale. So I went down with the boat, and a group of us went one night to the Newport Beach Hotel down to the Seven Seas Lounge where they had the Foam Rubber Follies, a drag show. Showgirls in feathers and a, the host sang live. Edie, Edie Gregory, a big black queen, a tall black queen with gorgeous costumes. And afterwards, I was talking to one of them and I said, they ever have auditions? They said, well, we're having them this week. And I thought, so can I audition? They went, sure. So I auditioned as Ann Miller, the tap dancer, and Judy Garland. And they hired me on the spot. So I, st only, I stopped working at night on the cruise ship and only did uh, lunch cruises and did Foam Over Follies. And it was a straight room. Gays went, but it was not a gay bar. So I thought, okay, getting close to Jim Bailey, you know, performing for just people. It didn't matter who it was. Um, and then the producer absconded with the money <laughs> and we were stuck. But another producer had seen the show and asked me if I would join their show. And that took me to Naples, Florida, to the Naples Dinner Theater. And then we took it to Key West for six or seven weeks. And from Key West, we went to Chicago. So imagine leaving Key West in November, 75 degrees, tank top shorts, to Chicago, where we stayed. We closed New Year's Eve there. Came back to Key West from Chicago because I had given up my apartment in Miami. Stayed here for eight months. Went back on the road with the show. This is basically your first professional, yes. if you will, drag show or female impersonator review. First two of them. What year are we looking at? 86, 7. You joined yeah. the new troupe and you went back to Chicago. You, yeah. They went back on tour? Yeah, we went. We did Naples. Then we went on tour to Key West and then Chicago. Then I came back to Key West when we closed that in Chicago and thought I'm going to go back to Key West. Friends invited me to stay there. And, and then come June or July, they said, we're going back on the road. We're going back to Naples. So we went to Naples and uh, St. Pete and Des Moines. And then we... Were these theater theaters you guys were doing or hotels? Yes, they were all theaters. Dinner theaters a lot. It's always nice to have dinner and drag. I'm always <laughs> afraid they're going to throw a roll. And they, these were old people. And no matter where we were, inevitably, at least somebody would go, Harry, I thought she was dead. <laughs> they forget it's men. They went for the ride, which is nice. Um, and one of the cast members from the Foam Rubber Follies, when I was in that show, left in the middle of the night and went to Vegas and got in Lacage. Did you know what Lacage was at that time? Yes, yeah. We had, we had, we had heard about all that, Lacage and Boylesque. Those were the two big shows you know, the two in Vegas. There was one at the Riviera and one, uh, by that time, they were at the Sahara. And I get a call from my friend Lindsay, who is the one that went out there, became a romantic partners with the producer of Boylesque, the competing show. And he sends me a, he gives me a call and he says, they're looking for a pony, which is a showgirl dancer. Send a video. I send a video. They said they want you to audition. So I'm doing the show in Naples. I finished the matinee Sunday. 
I leave, I get in the car, I go to the airport, I fly to Vegas. That night, I see Boylesque. Now, I've never seen a drag show on that level. This was in the main showroom of the Sahara Hotel. And, and I, I, I love the excitement that, you know, I'm hearing and I'm already, because I know, I, I knew Kenny, Kenny worked for me. Yeah. It's just, this is Kenny at his, in his heyday. You knew these shows? Like, since this is before the internet and everything, so you, you know. I knew of it from other performers. So when you um, go I, there to and, Vegas. And I, I go to see Boylesque and I sit in the best booth because I'm there with the producer and out walks Kenny and the opening number and all the, the real showgirls that are men. And I start to cry a little bit because I'm like, oh, I might be able to do this. And Kenny goes through the audience and does his walkthrough and he did his strip and his monologue and Cher and Barbara and Little Lil came out and all, I mean, all these performers. And afterwards, I, we chatted a little bit and the next day I got up and I said, I, I need to get ready. Where can I do my makeup? And they put me in one of the, there was the two, There were two star dressing rooms at the Sahara. Kenny had the bigger one, and then Jan North used the other one. So they put me in Jan's dressing room, and I. so there I was. And my hair was down to here, by the way, at this time. Uh, so I go in the dressing room, I do my makeup, I pull my hair up in a pony, do an atomic bang, and put on a dance leotard and flesh-colored T-strapped character shoes. And coming from theatrical training, I decided to have a character, and I was Cassie from A Chorus Line. Now, when I went down to the showroom, they had a gobo on the curtains, a light, a big S for Sahara. And the curtains were closed, and then they opened the curtains for us to go up on stage. So I slowly walked across the stage till I could feel the light of the S on my face. And when they lined us up, that's where I stood. So when they looked down the line, they had some lights on the stage, but nothing right on your face. So you saw drag queen, drag queen, drag yeah, queen, yeah. Drag queen. Randy. <laughs> so I, we did the dance routines. They kept having me work with other people. Then they had two of us continually work together. And then they said, thank you very much. Uh, Randy, Ted, could you come with us? Took us upstairs, offered me the job. I never signed a contract. Roger shook my hand and said, welcome to the family. And at that point, did you stay in Vegas? You went back to okay, Florida? So here's, 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 here's where it got a little dicey. Um, we go to dinner afterwards, Kenny and Roger, and it was lovely. For, oh, before I sat down to dinner, I called my mother. I said, Mom, I'm a Ziegfeld girl. Just had a funny girl. And I told her what was going on, and she loved it. And then the next day I get up, I go to the airport. They close the gate before I could get to it. I miss my flight. Now, Tuesday, that's, this is Tuesday. I have an 8 o'clock curtain in Naples. It's three hours later from Vegas. I get on a plane. I've already called to let them know I'm late. A friend of mine picks me up at the airport in, I guess it was in Naples or Fort Myers. I shaved on the plane. So imagine using a disposable razor in an airplane bathroom. I did my makeup in a VW Beetle from the airport to the theater. I missed act one. I run in the dressing room. I throw my suitcase down. I, I yell, who am I? Because everybody was doing multiple characters. I got on my character, did act two. The, the owner of the theater never knew I wasn't there. <laughs> and I finished my contract and he said, oh, well, now we're going on the road again to here and here. And I said, um, I won't be continuing on. And he was mad at first. And then later he went, congratulations. And I went to Vegas and that's where it started. Uh -oh. So how long were you in Kenny's show there? Uh, two and a half years. And that point, over those two and a half years, you must have been highly inspired by him. Oh, a lot. I'm, I filled in for him for three weeks when he wanted to go on vacation. I took over the show in my first year. And how did that come about? Was he... Um, he they, were, they were bringing in people to audition to fill in for Kenny for his vacation. And me, you know, naive as I was like, I want to audition. And they were like, okay. And they were, they kept putting it off and kept putting it off. And I remember it was a Thursday and Thursday morning, my phone rings and the producer says, Randy, you still want to audition? I said, yeah. 
He said, you're on tonight. You need a 10 minute monologue, come in, work with the band. You can do Kenny's Barber number and well, blah, 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 blah. I was like, and you'll do your tap number. I was like, cause I, I, was, I was a dancer, but I also had a tap number in the show. So I walked in, went in, I worked with the band and I, I got two songs and I put together a little monologue and cause Kenny had a root canal that morning and it went wrong and he couldn't work that night. And I went on and I finished the show, both of them. And after the show, the producer came up and said, congratulations, you're filling in for Kenny for the three weeks. Wow. And I filled in when Kenny left and it got really, I was having a great time. And it turns out Kenny came in by, back a few days early and slipped in the back of the room to watch the show. And John, the Nader D said, what are you doing here, Kenny? We're doing just fine without you, look. <laughs> and I never filled in for him again. Oh. <laughs> After that stint hosting for him, were you in the show still, continued, oh, or? Oh, yeah, I was just back to doing my tap number and, and being a dancer and other numbers. And then we moved from the Sahara to the Stardust. My tap number was in the song Wall Street from Dames at Sea. And so I lip-synced and I tap-danced, but I didn't, have a, I didn't do a character. They said if, if I was going to stay in the show at the Stardust, I had to have a character, so we put in Ann Miller with two dancers. And at the Stardust, there was an 11-piece orchestra playing along with our lip sync tracks. That was one of my questions. So we had an 11-piece band. Kenny Boylesque had a, a band, a live band. And at the Sahara, it was a, a synthesizer and drums, I think. Okay. But at the Sahara, they wanted to keep the band that worked for the Lido, that was going to work for the next show, employed. Because we were working in a convention center while they were redoing the Lido showroom for Enter the Night. Wow. So we just had the Stardust Orchestra playing along with us, which was a thrill. I have video of me doing Ann Miller, and it's, it's pretty wild. Looking, at, looking back at when you worked in Kenny's show and you know, jumping forward to the shows you do now, is there a difference in the audience, how they perceive you? Like when the um, show over? Well, Kenny's show was, this was a time in Vegas where, this is before the, the, the Cirque du Soleil came in. So this is people were still dressed nicely most of the time. It was starting to change and you didn't buy a seat. You bought a ticket and the maitre d' decided where you sat. So there was still greasing the palm and the audiences were, they, they, they knew drag in Vegas. I mean, people came to see Kenny Kerr and Boylesque. Certainly. Um, they went to see Lacage with Frank Marino, but it was Kenny Kerr in Boylesque. Sure. There was a difference there. Kenny was a character on his own, um, but they, they came for drag. And there was still a little bit of the shock value, and Kenny played that up. Um, people know a lot about drag now. It's not as shocking. I've been in, in Key West now since 98, and in the last 12 years, it's 22 years, it's changed from a little bit of shock and can't believe I'm a man to, oh, why aren't you on RuPaul's Drag Race? What, what, what year did the stint with Boylesque end? Mid, uh, July of 91. And did you, were your plans to stay in Vegas? Like, did you audition? Well, I, I didn't know. I was let go from Boylesque because I auditioned for Lacage. That was my next question. Yes. Have you, did, were you going to audition at Lacage? I auditioned for Lacage first as Streisand. And then I went back and auditioned and uh, they wanted me to come in and do Joan Rivers. And Kenny said, why would you want to leave? I said, because Kenny, all I'll ever be here is backup. And so they let me go. They didn't fire me. They didn't renew my contract and gave me no notice. Kenny didn't renew your contract, and then he wanted you to go on a cruise. Was that a show you guys were going to do on a cruise ship? No, it was, it was basically um, a thank you to the cast, like a bonus. So I went. Nice. And then um, I had been emceeing shows at the Gypsy, the bar there. So they had me do two nights a week there. So I was still making money. So I did that. And then I was, there was a, a, a magazine. What was it called? Dirt. Something Dirt. 
but it was theater. And yeah. there was a an ad in there for an audition for a show going to, to Europe. And I thought, eh. so I dressed up, I brought my share and my stry sand and I auditioned and got hired that day. And that was the show that I met Jasmine in. That's where our first path crossed and that Jasmine yeah. says, oh, you have to, you have to see this guy, Randy Roberts. And uh, I remember him sending all the press material back from Madrid of you guys. And uh, yeah, Madrid changed my life. My, that's where, because I really didn't do a lot of share. That was Kenny's character in the show. And I did it at the Gypsy. And then I kind of perfected it. And in Spain, it really, I polished it. I was lip syncing then to the point that my photo as Cher went international. I had huge photos in like Brazilian magazines. I've got it all out in the garage. And <laughs> that that's when Cher kind of became my main character. That's also, once that show closed, I stayed in Madrid. The show, excuse me, only ran for three months and I stayed. I, and I remember that. And I remember going, gosh, because Jasmine says, you won't believe it. Randy's going to stay there and work. I'm like, Wow, that he has some gusto that he goes over there with a group of people in a something, big show, and then he decides that he's just going to stay there on his own. <laughs> something made me decide, you know what? I bet I can do something. And I put together my one-man show, speaking in Spanish. That's the other thing Jasmine says. You know, he does, he does a whole monologue in Spanish. I'm like, oh, wow. This, is, yeah. this guy's... I learned Spanish from the time I got in Spain with Jasmine. I learned it there. I walked around with a Spanish-English dictionary. Wow. Yeah, and that's where I created my one-man show, and it kept growing. And then I got a little homesick in December, and uh, the director of Boylesque, Papote Barret, was running a show in Puerto Rico. And I had called him just to say hello, and I spoke to him in Spanish. And he was like, Randy, you speak Spanish to me now. And I, and I told him I thought about, I'd like to do the show. And I heard he had a show in Puerto Rico. He said, well, we need a new host. Send me a video. Well, I'm in Spain. So I put together a VHS. I put it in the mail. The next day, he said, don't bother sending the video. You've got the job. We need you. When can you be here? I went to San Juan, and that lasted three years. I know you were singing as a, you were doing singing on a singing waiter gig. When did you yeah. realize that you were going to definitely start to pursue a career singing and drag? Was that so in Madrid, I lip-synced Barbara, I lip-synced Cher, and I sang as Randy Roberts and, you know, different look. And it grew. I mean, people just, they took to it immediately. And then in, let's see, in San Juan, I lip-synced Cher. I sang as Mae West, and I did my Latin character, Consuela. Did I sing as anybody else? The only thing I lip-synced was Cher. And in that show in Puerto Rico, how many people, how many, did they have a lot of dancers? Was it like Boy Less? The uh, same there were company? two, no, two boys and two biological female dancers. And then there was one woman who did Liza Minnelli. Suzanne Goulet. I don't know if you know Suzanne. I know She's Suzanne. She's on Legends. Uh, she did Liza Minnelli, and for a while she did Madonna. Uh, so it's Suzanne. Uh, we had a black queen. At one point it was, uh, oh, God, I could see his face. Oh, my gosh. Lost it. Um, if I told you his name, you'd know it. Uh, one guy for a while, and then he had some issues and had to leave. And we had then Michelle Ross took over from Canada. And we had a guy at one point doing Sammy Davis Jr. And we had a woman come in and do Streisand. Anybody else? It's been it's been a few years, and I did Mae West and Cher and Consuela and Randy Roberts and I did and Joan Rivers. I did a lot of interaction with the audience, a lot, and that lasted. That was ninety three, four, and part of ninety five, and then Boylesque opened in Honolulu with a different producer, and they asked me if I'd come out for a week. John, John Steele. Steel, yeah. So I went out there and worked 
co-hosted with Jana for a week, and then I left, and they hired me to come back and didn't tell Jana. And then Jana was in a car crash, and I took over, and then it closed, like everything else did. And I stayed in Honolulu for a little while, um, fighting to get my money because the producer pulled crap again. I've had a lot of issues with producers. And from Honolulu, not just you, that, that's a that's an ongoing. <laughs> it's yeah. not just it's just uh, not just you, not just me. You know, it, that's ongoing. I think it just comes with that territory. <laughs> but I, I went from Honolulu. Let me. That's ninety five, ninety six. I went to Wendover, Nevada, for Jimmy Emerson, and did that. Did I do that once or twice? Wendover. Uh, oh. While we were in Wendover, they got the contract for Biloxi. And Jimmy had said, he'll go and open it for two nights, and then I can go out there and take over. And I went, I'm going to, I'm not going to let you go and get all the press and then me come in. Why don't I just go and open it? And he finally realized he couldn't leave the show in Wendover. So I drove from Wendover, Nevada to Biloxi, Mississippi. Nice drive. With my little <laughs> shih tzu. Got to Biloxi in the fog. Um, went to, they, they had already, the cast was already there. Walked into rehearsal. It was very odd at the beginning because I show up after everybody's kind of bonded. They, just after a few days. Then it all ironed out beautifully. I mean, that's where I met Phil Craig. And this is well, the first time in... This is the first Biloxi. First Biloxi, yeah. So yeah, you guys... It was really good the first time. Yeah. The, fir the first go-round was polished, beautiful. It was Phil, D.D. Lewis... God, my brain is just going. I could, I could look at pictures. It was a great show. And we were packed every single show. Wow. And I never thought I'd like Biloxi. <laughs> I did. Well, I always heard Biloxi's only uh, 90 miles from New Orleans. So I always heard that I think I, went, I think I went once. <laughs> I always heard about everyone going to New Orleans after uh, the show. <laughs> I never went. Not after Not, the show. The, the second run. Because I didn't well, the know second, many. The second run. When they were when they were at the Imperial Palace, when Jimmy no no went. so the palace happened two times. So the Imperial Palace was the third, the third time. There you go. Okay, okay. That was a different. That was a different group entirely. I kind of found the the quality of the show to go down each time. But Jimmy kind of was involved each one, I believe, right? Or maybe yes. Third. He he was he was in the he was part of well, he had yes he was involved with each one. He and um uh oh God what's the guy's name uh um. That was local there? No, no, I'm not Paul. Not Paul. Uh, the, you know who I'm talking about? Paul Blaine, yeah. Yes. Uh, oh, Paul. <laughs> and Paul Blaine Jr. <laughs> I don't know Paul Blaine Jr. Yeah, yeah, right. I, I work with Paul, you know, when, when, when the GM that you guys work with came west is when I kind of started doing shows, and I was hired by Paul and, and Mr. Reinhardt. That's, uh, Howard. Yes, Howard. <laughs> Howard and Rose. Yes, yes. <laughs> yep, I spent uh, four years with him. Yeah, with yeah, both oh, that's of them. right, in, in Lake Tahoe. In Lake Tahoe. Because <laughs> Howard had contacted me to try about yeah. some stuff. Yeah. Howard. The Biloxi so, run. Are you in the first and second run? Yeah. I, I was in the two of them at the palace. And then after that, what year are we looking at? Like 90, uh, 97. 97. And uh, I, we went back to Wendover, and then I went to Atlantic City for nine weeks at the Taj Mahal. That was like a Broadway. Was that the Broadway? Uh, no, it was, it, it was uh, uh, Camouflage Cabaret, I think they called it. It was only three of us, Holly Ferris, Richard Skipper, and myself. And okay. we had a band on stage. So I sang Mae West live and Consuela live, and they played along for Cher. And I started singing along with the track, and the sound guy says, why are you lip syncing? 
And we closed before I really tried it. And I, from there, I got a phone call to ask if I would come to Key West to, to be surprise entertainment for a birthday party for two women. I went, sure. I never left. 1998. They kept asking, could you do it again? Can you, can you stay another week? Can you stay another week? Can you just stay? And this is at your current place where you've been for years? or I have, been at, I have been at Lottie Da since August of 1998. And I got here in April of 98 and worked at one place until August. And the owner said, would you go down to Lottie Da and see if you can help build up some business? Well, 22 years later, and now we don't know what's going to happen. I was supposed to do Provincetown this summer. And today, the Provincetown Board of Health decreed no indoor cabarets for the rest of the year in Provincetown. Have no you done... Had you done Provincetown before? Just oh, with, I did Provincetown for a year. Every, every season. So you just drive, would you drive up there then from, drive up the coast or we fly? I drive from here to Orlando. Then I take the auto train to D.C., which is great. It's overnight. You put your car on the train, go to sleep, wake up, you're in D.C. No I-95. And anybody on the East Coast will know what that's like. <laughs> and then I drive up there and then move in. But I've been in, now I've been in Key West for 22 years. In Lati, at Latida and then the Provincetown gig. So it's just you yourself, right? Oh, yeah. It's just a one-man show. And what well, does that, because I have not seen that before, and some of our listeners probably have not seen that before. What does that consist of? My for, show? For uh, the, the current incarnation of Randy Roberts Live, I opened the show as Bette Midler when I was doing it back in March. I opened doing uh, like stuff like that there, and then uh, did a monologue, and the curtains closed, and 10 seconds later it opens up, and I'm in full Hello Dolly garb, and I do Bette's a medley of Hello Dolly. And then at the end of it, I do a pose and it blacks out and a video shows of uh, me as Bette Midler doing her Sophie Tucker jokes. That ends and Cher appears. And I do about four numbers as Cher, some are medleys with monologues. There's a lot of audience interaction. So Cher does her set, disappears. My face appears on screen as a guy. And I have a video of a little more mascara of me getting into drag. And once I throw my head back and I've got the red hair on, I step out on stage and finish the rest of the song live. And I do Randy Roberts for 40 minutes or 35 minutes. All songs and jokes and interaction. And then afterwards, people come back and shake my hand and take pictures. And that's they're not, they're not shaking my hand anymore. I wave now. <laughs> so the video, that, that's, I mean, that, that's kind of a, ahead of your ahead of the game a little bit. I mean, because that mascara video, when did you do that? This Randy put together a video of him getting ready in drag. Yeah. Way before it became very popular as it is oh, today. It was very popular. This was, hold on. I'll look on my YouTube page and tell you when. But now it seems like every queen in the world does one, but this was way back when. Well, I do my, you know, I, I do my getting ready videos, but this is, hold on, video. It's old. I mean, we're talking... So innovative. I mean, you were pretty innovative back then because it was it was one of the first it, that I had seen. It's the first thing I ever directed. I knew exactly what I wanted when the idea came to me, and I uh, uh, I did that 13 years ago. So you, you a few years after YouTube. Well, let's see. Now YouTube had been out for a little bit then, still, but still yeah. people weren't were doing the drag. I mean, that, when I saw it, I was like, wow, and it, it's pretty innovative. And that's what inspired me. I'd see things and I'm like, oh, how can I make that better? Or what? Or how can I? You know, that was just by whole career producing shows where I see something right. I like. Um, and that was I'm getting I'm getting ready to do a new version of it. It's I'm not saying what it is because I really like the idea. It still has mascara in it, but it's mashed up with something more recent. And I'm rewriting the lyrics a little bit and changing the feeling of the song. And it's gonna be me getting a drag but a different 
take on it. So as you as you evolved in drag after all these years of performing, what inspires you? Do you, you can you give us something that uh, you might have seen um, recently that says, "Oh wow, I want to try that"? Or all right, I have not seen a performer that I want to impersonate. I think the fact that I've done a lot of work as Randy Roberts, both in drag and out of drag, has made it much more appealing to do that than to impersonate someone else. More and more, I, I enjoy doing my own things. So there's no one I want to, I don't want to impersonate anybody. I'd rather do my thing. But when you think of your new ideas, is there any one particular thought, celebrity, or another performer that you know that inspires you to like, oh, I'm going to try this, not as an impersonation, but just as a performer? Gaga is very creative, um, I think. Uh, But I, 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 you know, my mindset is still... Liza Minnelli when she was the, the best concert performer I'd ever seen. Bette Midler is still brilliant on stage. I like somebody that can interact and entertain. It doesn't have to be like, I like share less and less live because now it's just, here's a live video on stage, change the set, change the costume. Here's another live video on stage. She doesn't, she does one monologue. She doesn't interact. And she used to. I like some more interaction during the show, but I understand now this is a 70-minute show. I start here, I finish here. Thank you, good night. Which is what I do. My show is usually 69 minutes. <laughs> How appropriate. Sometimes 73, depending on the audience. Keep it simple. Yeah. That's what everyone always tells me. Keep it simple. If, if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> it's all right to tinker with it, but don't change it too much. So what's, what are you doing next? Well, I ended up uh, acquiring a restaurant. Oscars? Os- Oscars. And, okay. Uh, I saw the show there. Yep, remember? So, yep. That's the last time. I, that's a, that's I think the t- first time we really met. Yeah, we had met uh, I in think person. We had spoken. We met a few times. We went to a birthday party or something when you were performing at Alibi or your the Alibi. Oh yeah, restaurant the, the, that was there. That was the uh, first time. Azul, 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 Alibi Azul. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. Well, that 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 whole experience is kind of a blur. <laughs> Another thing that inspires me is I, I, I go to New York. Well, I went to New York a lot um, uh, and seeing a lot of shows, I would see something in the theater and go, oh, there's an idea. There's a costume idea. Oh, there's a way to change, do a quick change. Oh, I like that song. I can change the tempo of it and that could work for this. One of, one of my favorite things to do for us as a share is to open my share set with a song that Cher hasn't sung. So everybody knows it's live. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So I do Shirley Bassey's arrangement of Get the Party Started as Cher. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that song that she'll probably do eventually, probably. I'm sorry? <laughs> she'll probably do that song one day. She'll probably. Run out of- <laughs> so when you look back, because I do a lot of this reminiscing myself, do you ever look back at when you first saw Jim Bailey on TV and think that might have made a mark in your head? Oh, I know it where, did. To where you are now. I know it did. He That did... And, every, and I saw, I saw, I got to see him live, and I, I saw a lot of his TV performances. But that, that really did help mold my style. And then what really put a cherry on the cake for me was Charles Pierce. Would you, yeah, Charles Pierce, I'm aware of. When did you first see Charles Pierce? So? Somebody, somebody showed me a video. So never saw him in person, never met no, him. I never got to see him. I never got to meet him. But there's uh, the legendary ladies at the silver screen. And he did, it was broadcast on the Playbill, Playboy channel. If I'm not mistaken, he's at the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion with a full orchestra. But he would like, he did Carol Channing, but Charles came through. You saw Charles in there. He let himself come through every single character. And that's when I went, oh, I don't have to do Jim Bailey's version where I'm erased. I can do my tribute to them. 
because I don't look or sound like anybody, but I create an illusion. Yeah, I find that when I see someone like Charles Pierce and there's a couple other entertainers that are really entertaining, that they do let themselves come through. And to me, it's a completely different ring of our spectrum, you know, yeah. where it's not a complete impersonation, yet they're still extremely entertaining, but they're not really impersonating. It's like they're it's not, a weird, it's it's not weird. a carbon copy, it's a version. It's a version. It's a version of the person. And I always try to stay as uh, respectful as possible. I try not to make fun of my characters. I make fun of me as the character. I mean, sure, you've got to play with the tongue. And I do have some shtick that I do with that that always gets me a laugh. Thank you very much. What's been the most memorable uh, gig that you've had being a female impersonator? I've had a few that have been pretty cool. I had one in Madrid at a place called the Cuartel de Conde Duque, and it was outdoors on a stunning night, and I had to do share in front of 3,000 people in this medieval castle in the courtyard. And I was like, well, okay. And they were packed, and they were watching. Spain was amazing. They they came for the show. Yeah, I, gosh, put me on the spot. <laughs> um, I mean, One Life to Live was fun. That was a great experience. America's Got Talent was a rush, but not necessarily the most uh, positive experience. I'm being very careful of what I say. How did, because I know I've seen you perform with the orchestras in Florida. How did how did all that come about? Had someone seen you at La Tida? And you do, I think oh, you... Okay, so in, in Florida, yes, I knew the conductor. And he said, uh, actually, I was in New York City visiting friends and the conductor was up there and said, can we go have lunch? I said, sure. And he said, will you do my concert? And he's in New York from Key West, and I'm in New York from Key West. And he said, it's going to be, uh, this is the date, this is what I want to do, and blah, 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 blah. And this is what I'm going to pay you. And I was like, what? It was great. And I, I uh, he paid to have two arrangements done. Do you know who Bob Estee is? Yes. So may he rest in peace. Take Bob me Estee. home. Take yeah. me home. Yeah. So Bob Estee did two orchestral arrangements for me. Wow. Incredible arrangements. And so I made my symphonic debut i had my designer in new york make a beaded pantsuit copied out of liza by often liza's manelli liza manelli's pantsuit and i appeared on that stage and i was it was as if i had been singing with orchestras all my life and then somebody put me in touch with a conductor in massachusetts and they asked me to come up there and i went up there twice 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 and then another conductor out in california said oh you, your sister showed me some videos of you uh, you want to come out and do your show here so i did my show but with a full orchestra outdoors outdoors at night in 99 degree weather. That was fun. I think I saw a video or a Facebook post yeah. of you on the West Coast. Was that one of them? Were you at a winery or something? Yes, that was, was it. it. <laughs> yeah, 99 degrees. <laughs> yeah, that, you know, drag and heat, mm, not really good. <laughs> not good. Um, I loved, I really, really loved doing, I did a movie with Alan Cumming and it changed my thought process for performing, it, I've always been worried about what's the audience going to do, what's the reaction going to be. And working on the movie, I realized I do my work, I go home, and it's out of my hands. I didn't worry. I said the director and the editor take it from there. And I worked. Everybody on the set were pros. It was Francis Fisher and Alan Cumming and Garrett Dillahunt and oh shit, Greg. Oh, what's Greg's last name? I mean, these are all anybody's face you saw. You go, oh, I know them. I know exactly who that is. These were all people. The first day I got the call sheet, I was the only person I didn't know. Yeah, it was great. It was great. Is there something that you still kind of have in, in your uh, bucket list that you haven't done yet? Yes. Uh, as far as the female impersonator? One Can thing. You, 
Can you share that with us? It, it's either it, it could be female impersonator or it could be out of drag. I, I still want to do Broadway. That's that's what, if it ever comes back. Well, yeah, have, that's that's my that's the that is my dream. I never wanted to do a movie. I never wanted to do TV. I wanted Broadway. I I wanted to be a musical theater actor. I wanted to be Jerry Orbach because before he did the Law and Order shows, he was the leading man on Broadway. He was in the original cast of Chicago and 42nd Street and I Do, I Do and I mean, tons of shows. That's what I wanted to do. I found a gimmick that kept me working when most other out-of-work actors were waiting tables in restaurants where I was eating. And you should be proud. I mean, I know when I look back at social media, when I look at some of the things you do, and we're not close, you know, besides just talking and meeting once or twice. Right. I mean, it's always been innovative when I see your, the performances you're doing, and it's always been inspiring to me. You know, it's not one of those posts when I sit right by it. It's always one, oh, let me stop and see what Randy's doing, because I know something, something of quality is going to come from it. And a lot of my friends call me dream crushers because I'm not very, I don't have much of a filter when it comes to horrible drag queens. So it's well, like... <laughs> I, I, I can't fake it. <laughs> no, I can't either. <laughs> no time for that. Yeah. So, but it's always been innovative. It's always been inspiring. And uh, I think it's, Thank you. it's interesting when I look back, as I get older and I look back, uh, you know, where my life's been and 30 something years of it's been involved with drag, you know, it's always, it's been experienced and often wonder, you know, why, but, uh, you know, now I'm reflecting on it and reflecting on people that, uh, you know, have inspired me and that, uh, embrace talent. I'm embracing talent because that's what this lacks a lot of, I believe our industry. There's a lot of female personators now, but there's not a lot of talent. There's a lot of drag queens out there. And now, now it's, I have a look great. What are you going to do with it? Yeah, it's opened up now. Now, innovation seems to be really, really a very important key because there's so many people doing that. So it's like you see so many people doing that. Unless you're extremely innovative, it's nothing different than what you just saw last week. You know? so. I, luckily, I was never quite a cookie cutter. Not that I am the end all or so unique, but I, I hit at a time where there weren't a lot of people doing what I did. There were a lot of people doing drag, a lot of people lip syncing as characters, but I kind of took the chance and sang. Now, granted, being in Key West has been positive and negative. It has kept me from traveling and getting my name out to a larger audience. Whereas if I were in New York, and when I started, and if I had started in New York instead and kept at it, I would be on Broadway now and probably be much better known. But I've kept working nonstop. Um, I live in Key West. I've lived here for 22 years. I mean, I'm in shorts and a t-shirt, and I've been in shorts and a t-shirt except for a couple of days all year. I get to bring the people that I have been fans of and just in awe of, they come down to work with me now. I never thought I'd be on stage with Marilyn May and a 17-piece big band doing duets or Lucy Arnaz or Debbie, you know, Debbie Gravitz, she's a Broadway star or Brent Barrett. I mean, I've gotten to work with some great people. I mean, I was on the phone. I, I did an interview today with Faith Prince. She and I have become very good friends. She came down. The two of us did a show together, just the two of us. And this is all I, done at La Tida or in oh no, the surrounded, surrounded area? This is at the Tennessee Williams Theater. I do a show every other year with an 18-piece band behind me, and I bring in Broadway and Hollywood people to work with me. And it's just for the, charity benefits? Ra it raises money for the theater. Um, I raise the money to put on the show. The show usually costs between forty-five dollars and $50,000. And I have I, I was going to do another one coming up, but I don't think I'm going to be able to raise the money now. It's so much fun. The only rule is if you come down to do the show, you have to do a duet with me. Nice. And Lucy Arnaz did it with me in drag. Oh, wow. Wow. And so then, she, she, 
Then she came back the next year, and we did a show. There's a, a, a cabaret at the theater that seats about 200 people. Lucy came down and did a show with just the two of us and that cabaret. It was so much fun. Wow. She's she's a common name here. She's oh yeah. She's uh, I've I've been to her house there. Awesome. When you look back on the female impersonation part of your career, and as you're kind of climbing the ladders, if you will, besides Jim Bailey and Kenny Kerr, were there any fellow entertainers that you thought, wow, I hope one day, you know, besides because Jim Bailey and Kenny Kerr were kind of these upper echelon performers, was there anyone that was kind of you were working with, kind of parallel to you, like? that inspired you that you wanted to be someone like when you look back? I, I appreciated what a lot of other people did, like Varla Jean Merman. I love what Varla does, but that's not, I, I can't do that. That's not my thing. I, I don't have that, 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 she, Jeff is brilliant, but I, that, that character that he created, this doesn't answer your question, but it might help. A lot of the people that I've worked with over the years have stuck as a character. Varla Jean Merman, Miss Richfield, Dina Martina, Jinx Monsoon, more lately. If I had just done Randy Roberts, who knows what it would have happened? Just because I, I never felt confident enough to do that. My fault. No one else's. All these audiences have been missed out on. Well, they get to see they, they get to see Randy Roberts. I mean, tomorrow night I'm going to do Cher and Randy Roberts in my life. I'm doing a live stream tomorrow night, and I usually do three sets. And I thought, first of all, they're not buying a ticket, so they'll be happy to see a show. So I'll give them some share, and then I'll do Randy Roberts, and I'll chat and have some fun, and then thank you very much. Do you get a chance to get out and see drag shows, like when you are, or is that something? Because like for me, I don't, I very rarely go to a drag show. So do you ever? Every now and then. Well, in Key West, I don't go to them quite as much. I know everybody, and the audience are so tourist. I don't want to be in a room full of bachelorette parties, and there's a lot of them that come here for that. They fewer of them come to my show because my show's a little more expensive and. They can't act like assholes because I throw them out. <laughs> Bye. We have yeah. a lot of bachelorettes too. As well. I'm sure. I, if I'm out of town, I like to go see drag. Love it. Can you recall the last drag queen that you saw like when you were out of town? Well, I saw Michael Walters do Dame Edna at okay. the Alibi. I saw Jennifer, uh, Jennifer McClain, but she's a woman, but she's a drag queen. I never see drag in New York. Drag in I New York is saw... completely different than any other place in the country, I think, in my opinion. And now... It's become so much with like uh, Paige Turner, Marty Gould Cummings, Cacophony Daniels, Sutton Lee Seymour. They're singers. Yeah, they're, they're like, all singers. Yeah. yeah. Which I love. That, that's why I, I look at that and I think, shit, why didn't I try in 1998 to go to New York? Because they're doing what I would have been doing. And I'm like, too late. Because I'm not going to go there as the older queen and say, oh, pardon me. <laughs> What do you think's missing when you see some of these up-and-coming new queens? Do you, is there any one thing that stands out where you're like, oh, man, if I can only teach them this one thing? I've never been a teacher. Well, none of these people are teachable, in my opinion, so it's very rare. They always find out. They always learn it later. Well, I, I think a lot of people are making sure they're pretty and then going on stage instead of figuring out what's their act going to be, what is their, you know, rehearsing, looking in the mirror, watching everybody, watch, listen, ask ask questions. Um, I don't want to teach anybody to do what I do, but I, I have, I'm very happy if somebody would like to help, help with direction. I'm good at that. Have you thought of trying this? Have you thought of changing that? But I'm, I don't, I, I just, people these days are rushing into it. Everybody's doing drag. And now with RuPaul's Drag Race, they get on there at 21 years old, they're made. <laughs> Unless they screw up. Because if you work it right, you can turn it into lifetime. 
I mean, Jinx is constantly working. Bianca Del Rio, who worked before RuPaul's Drag Race, that just catapulted him. And he's not changed. He's still brilliant and still funny and real. Who else? The real, the real talents, in my opinion, they stand out like uh, a sore thumb. I mean, not in a bad way, in a very good way right. from, the, from that troupe. Because Bianca, I think, is one of the most talented performers, stand-up there is. I mean, and, and, yeah, and, that, and it's not only that. He does his makeup. He makes his gowns. He styles his wig every night in the dressing room. I another, watched him do it. Another person I hope to be speaking to uh, eventually that's, that's completely unappreciated and completely, uh, to what I'm looking for, is uh, uncelebrated and extremely, extremely talented is Jackie Beat. That what do you mean, the, uncelebrated and, and... Well, I mean, he's I mean, in a much bigger light than some of these so, people that are less talented. Well, J Jackie is very well-known, better well-known than I am. In the drag world, Jackie is, is up there. And the thing is, Jackie is a writer. Like, he wrote for Joan Rivers. He's a writer when he's not doing Jackie. That's why his his parodies, he, that's what, he bangs those out. Yeah. He just has that mind. Yeah, I've always been a huge fan of him. Extremely talented, brilliant writer and, and performer. Just completely... I've never seen anyone like him, which is always inspiring to me when I see him. It's always his, been... His makeup is what, the, is what sets him apart. Um, there are a lot of queens that do parodies, but he has this look and this edge. This shtick, too, that's kind of... His, his banter is kind of just is unique to me. <laughs> the parodies, I know, is very common in the whole drag market, but it's, I just love his banter and his, his sarcastic... Wit. Yes, I mean, his response to the okay. audience. <laughs> that takes you a minute to even figure it out until you get all the way home. And then you realize what, <laughs> what the read was or what the insult was. Right. You know. So it's, it's social media, on social media, Randy, how can people find you? Uh, Facebook.com slash Mr. Randy Roberts. Instagram, it's Rand I Actually, you know what? Everything is it's Randy Roberts. I-T-S Randy Roberts. I have a Facebook page and a personal. Send them to it's Randy Roberts. And as a default, you're always at La Tida in Key West? I have been so far. I have no idea what's coming up. And when are those shows typically on a, on a uh, regular weekend? Well, usually it's Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, guaranteed. But... As in the busier months, it could be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But I, I share the room with another act, with Christopher Peterson. Awesome. Thank you, Randy. Really an honor to talk to you and learn more, Thanks, about, more about you and the career you've, you've led here. Really inspiring. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. You're an art. You're talented. Take care. You. Bye. And remember, you all, my restaurant and entertainment venue, Oscars in downtown Palm Springs, where entertainment is on hold currently per COVID restrictions, but we are serving some great food most weekends, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. For a lovely meal and a lovely atmosphere, check out my restaurant, Oscars in downtown Palm Springs. We'll see you all there. Thank you for listening to Icon's Incredible Creation on Stage podcast hosted by Dan Gore. If you would like to know more about our wonderful host, follow Dan Gore at facebook.com slash lookalikes and at Oscars Downtown Palm Springs. If you enjoyed what you heard, hit subscribe and leave us a review. A new podcast every other week. Until then, have an iconic day.